welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by co-host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hi, Brett. Hi, Sarah. Co-host and lead pastor. I still love that. I, at some point, I'm going to get that put on my door to my office or something, or put in a business card, or it's going to be an official designation at some point. I think I can make that happen. You think? think Are you the one that makes that kind of stuff happen? I've always wondered that. I'm not a very good lead pastor because I don't know who does what. (laughs) How would I get that done? I have no idea. I have no idea. We send it uh, a communication request. Uh, I can send you the link of where that is. Oh, we do have that kind of stuff, don't we? Where you pull out official forms and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that is my job. But I I set up the form. But that's a whole other part of my job. The other part is doing this, which is fun. You set up the forms? See, I truly yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> well, I don't know if I set up all the forms. I just set up the place on the website for the forms to live. So people oh, okay. can go to one place okay. instead of be like, what's the link for yeah. that? Because that, you know, that happens all the time. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's living in that world right now as we're you know, navigating what normalcy looks like. And each week, every day is different. Um, I have a, a quick story that I'll tell you. So I, I got out to my car today um, because we have been able to, to make it into the office just a, a few hours here and there. We're working on um, upgrading our studio, which we're really excited about and excited about some of the things that will be happening with that, including um, an Explorer edition of One Life Church that Brett has a vision for. And we'll be uh, giving some more information on that maybe towards the end of the episode. Um, and we'll be doing some of those things. But I walk out to my car and my door was like latched, but it wasn't closed all the way. And I was like, I don't remember that. And so I, I opened the door and I just look inside my car and I was like, just stared. I was in actual shock, which I'm not in shock very often. And all my stuff was pulled out. Someone broke into my car, which is kind of a bummer. It's oh, like a weird feeling. That is a real bummer. When you say all your stuff was pulled out, you talking about your stereo and your console? And No, sorry. So like I had a bunch of stuff in like inside the console, not a bunch of stuff, like right. some CDs and um, um, like, you know, napkins because you know you got to store your napkins for when you like actually spill something like all that stuff was pulled out some old lanyards um and the funny thing is nothing was missing and there were even like three gift cards in there which they're not there anymore so don't break into my car brett but i (laughs) well yeah so i don't know it's just a weird thing but yeah apparently that happened at my apartment complex multiple cars got broken into and no one was missing anything there's not anything missing but everything was pulled out yeah, it was like they were doing it really fast and then yeah. just went to the next one if they're looking for something specific or what. But maybe um, so. I don't yeah. think there was any cash. And that's kind of change. in its own right, though, to take all the stuff out of your glove box and those kinds of things and throw it all over your car. That's cold. Yeah. Wow. I agree. I agree. That's, that's terrible. So anyway, it's fine now. You know, now I've got like all the people from the office are like, okay, who do we need to go beat up? You know, so everybody's here. Looking out for me, especially Jason. Jason McCord. He said he'd he'd find him for me. Um, What's funny is I told Ryan, I was like, Ryan, will you check this out? He goes, I think you just have Josh sit out there, which is funny (laughs) because we have Josh and Kelsey Stanley uh, joining us on the podcast today. Um, Josh is our um, connections director at our Henderson campus of One Life Church, and Kelsey uh, is on a tech team. Uh, You run CG, correct? All right, Kelsey. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You miss doing that. You miss not being able to do that right now. Yeah, I do. It's. It's been weird not getting to go to the church and program all that stuff for my team and connect. Yeah. Have you guys been able to connect as a team, like even though you're not um, in the buildings together? Um, we've sent texts um, back and forth to each other, just like checking in on each other. But um, that's about all we've done so far. Yeah. 
Um, and, and Josh is someone I know who loves connection, loves connecting people. I actually had a, a quick text message with him last night. Someone sent a message to our Facebook page and I'm like, I don't know who this is, but she's from Anderson. I'm going to send her to you because I know that you'll take care of that. So, um, Josh, anything, what's, what's world been like for you? Um, or for you guys both, but I know specifically in the connections world, um, of our church, what's that look like? Yeah, it's, uh, gosh, it's been a lot different. Um, I mean, everything going to digital, it's, it's kind of changed the way interactions have, have happened. Um, a lot more phone calls, um, a, a lot more zoom calls. Um, huh. but, but yeah, everyone, I mean, I, I've been, it's been kind of a challenge to continue to help people find a place to connect and find a place to belong, um, and just kind of pull up a seat at the table. Um, when, you know, we're not allowed to be with one another, um, it's been an interesting challenge, but it, it's been fun to try and figure things out and navigate that. And uh, I think that there's some cool stories that are coming out of it. Um, but it's definitely been it's definitely been a new challenge in my life. Well, and I love the fact that you've responded to it, and um, and and everybody has like, okay, the mission is still the same, but it's like, okay, the methodology has got to completely change. And I kind of I do admire the the go for it attitude that says, okay, we're going to try this, even though I will go on record as saying I hate Zoom calls. <laughs> I'm learning to hate them more and more. Not that, it, not that it's bad to be in a meeting, but I'll, I really look forward to being live in a room again. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Being around everyone and like seeing everyone's kind of, you know, faces in real time is just different. It's, I love that we have, we live in a time where we're still able to stay connected, you know, through the Zoom calls and, you know, all the, different FaceTimes and um, apps that people are using. But yeah, I, I miss that as well. Yeah. I, I think I didn't realize that much. Yeah, I've, I found- always been- oh, I've always been the type who, who hates talking on the phone. Um, like I, I either want to text or I want to meet somewhere. Um, and we've had FaceTime for years, but I never really used it. Uh, and it, I would always just avoid getting on the phone. But now that, you know, that we're, now that we're living in this world, um, I have discovered that I do prefer Zoom to a regular phone call because I can see, you know, someone's face and there's a little bit more to the communication. It goes both ways through, you know, facial expressions and things like that. So I have discovered that about myself and all this. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, that if I was forced to choose between Zoom and phone call, I'd go with Zoom. So I guess, because I'm with you, I, I hate talking on the phone as well. It's just, uh, doesn't work. So Right. Uh, I, but I was every now and then I allow myself to imagine going through all this without any of those things. Like what would have happened oh, man. to everybody, <laughs> you know, yeah. smoke signals or something, or you just kind of <laughs> sit there by yourself. It's, it's a strange thought. So I'm very thankful. I, I guess I should be more thankful that I've been for all the technology we have, even zoom calls, <laughs> <laughs> even zoom calls. Well, we uh, wanted Josh and Kelsey one to come on just, um, to be able to, to chat with them a little bit about those things. But um, we want to share, we think is a pretty good thing happening because I think there's a lot of stories that are out there that are um, can feel negative and feel heavy. And there's some still really great things full of joy that are happening in our world. And so Josh and Kelsey, um, recently you guys became uh, foster parents, which is incredible. And so what we want to do is be able to just kind of hear a little bit of what that journey has looked like and what it looks like now. Um, and and really, I guess the first question is, is how did that come about for you guys? What was that um, initial kind of um, starting point? What did that look like? Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a Kelsey question right there. <laughs> uh, well, uh, over 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, leukemia, cancer, um, and the, because of the because of the treatment and the radiation that I had, 
um, it just did a number on my body. So um, at the age of nine, um, my doctor pretty much told me that you will not be able to have kids because of the treatment that we're going to give you to save your life. And my parents tell me um, that at that age, they were both had like tears in their eyes. And I just looked at the doctor and told him, that's okay, I'll adopt. Um, so fast forward to Josh and I meeting, um, we we're super upfront with each other. And we always just knew that adoption would be something that we would pursue. But after um, researching it and looking into it, adoption is crazy expensive. And um, which we had saved up money, but it was just nowhere near enough of what it would cost to adopt a little one. So um, through his mom and through other people, they always, you know, just told us, hey, what do you think about fostering? And for me, I don't know about Josh, but for me, it was already always a hard no, because I just, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to get attached to a child and then just to have them ripped from your arms and they have to go back and, you know, then what do you do then? Um, but slowly but surely, um, I, I was listening to some podcasts and reading different books about fostering and um, I don't remember what the podcast was now, but it was a foster parent telling about their story. It was a Christian podcast and he said something along the lines of, you know, um, you know, fostering is hard, but you know, Jesus calls us to do like hard things. So why wouldn't you do it? Like you're supposed to get attached to those kids need. And I don't know, it was just like a God moment. And like, I was driving my car and it started bawling and as soon as I got home, Josh, I was like, you know, we have to do this. Like, I feel God is calling us to do this ministry. And um, that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, That was the, f- the first thought. So to piggyback a little bit on that, um, like throughout this whole process and the, the conversations that Kelsey and I were having, um, we had done a lot of research. And I know that Brett and Sarah working with me, you you know that I'm kind of a, a – a studier and I like, to, like I, I spent a lot of time doing research and, and, and thinking about it. And, and honestly, because we're, you know, because we have this Christ centered worldview, like praying about it, thinking about what it looks like for us um, to start a family, given the challenges that we did have. And uh, I was a little bit ahead of Kelsey in that I was thinking, you know, this whole foster care thing is something that I, I really do feel like is, uh, is, is, supposed to be part of our journey. Uh, my mom has always worked in that industry. So I had a little bit more information about it. And so my biggest struggle was like coming to Kelsey and okay, I, I think this might be something that we need to discuss a little bit more, but you know, coming from her, her background and, and, you know, being biologically unable to, to have a child because of the cancer and all that, that was a super difficult conversation to, uh, to broach just because of all of those, you know, the past um, history and all of that stuff. And it was just kind of tough to initiate that conversation. But as we kind of continued through that journey, um, like you said, we kind of just landed on, like, this seems like something that God is leading us toward. That's, and I think there's a couple of things that you guys just went over quickly and I'd love to spend more time talking about them, but I also want to talk specifically about the foster story. But Kelsey, you said you were nine when you were diagnosed with leukemia? Yes. Yeah. July 12th, 1998. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so I, one, I didn't know that. I think until recently you had posted something maybe last year. Um, and I just didn't even know that was, was part of your story. And so, um, I can't imagine. So I, I love the, 
so then Josh, but you said that your mom works in the foster industry. I didn't know that. Yeah, she works um, not t- directly with foster care, but she is an investigator for um, child protective services in Kentucky. Um, and so she, as she's working with homes, like unstable households, and part of her job parallels the foster care system. It's incredible to think though, that, you know, you guys meeting and then you kind of having a little bit of background and understanding a little bit of that going into this is, it's really fascinating to think about like the entire story of it mm-hmm. coming together. Um, it's really beautiful. And so, um, for you guys, so that was the conversation then. So you said, all right, we're, this is something we're going to do. What, what do you do to start that process? Well, it is, I mean, how life happens, we would, we were like, okay, we're going to call the office. We're going to tell them that we want to do this and find out like what we need to do. But during that time, um, Josh actually was asked to go on the Serbia trip, mission trip. So we were like, okay, like, God, what do, what do we do? Like, do we tell, do we not go on the Serbia trip and we pursue foster care? Like what, what should we do? Um, so after doing lots of praying and um, just uh, praying with each other and um, we came, like I told Josh, I was just like, you know, I feel like God has called you to go to the mission trip. Like we can always start foster care when you get back. And, um, you know, but he, of course he was like, you know, no, no, like we need to do foster care. Like if this is what we need to do, let's do it. So, um, so after we uh, talked about that and he pretty much decided he was going to go on the uh, mission trip, we called the office and it was just like a God thing. It worked out where he could miss, he only missed one of the training classes and, you know, got caught up uh, when he came back the next week. So um, God really just worked it. Yeah. Out. So like to like just the logistically to answer your question, like there's, there's a big training process and a book you have to read. Um, and, and you know, the background checks and all of that, that you have to go through, um, which is, is pretty rigorous. It was about a month and a half of classes, but like the whole Belgrade thing, which I, I was on the podcast several episodes about, ago talking about that. Um, like that kind of landed in this weird time in our lives where, like the classes aren't always available. They they run on like uh, scheduled out intervals. And so I was afraid like that we weren't going to be able to do it. It was going to delay our our enrollment in the classes for another four or five months. And, um, and so I was just like, it was this really weird circumstance where I was torn. Like, okay, I kind of feel like, you know, that I, I'm supposed to participate in this whole thing in Belgrade too. Um, but I know that Kelsey has been... <laughs> Kelsey's been ready to become a parent since way before I was ready to become a parent. <laughs> so, so I was trying to figure out like, well, what's the best way to have this conversation? And I don't want to delay her anymore um, because, you know, she feels, she feels called to be a mom and to love, you know, to love on some kids. And, and so I was like, ah, oh, this is another tough conversation. <laughs> but then, like she said, like it came, I mean, it, it just worked out perfectly. It, it felt very, uh, you know, it felt very uh, by design the way everything played out. Wow, that's that's very affirming um, uh, for you because I, I it is kind of an interesting combination, but I can easily see how Serbia and fostering um, should be uh, both a part of your lives. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. Give me uh, when it comes to just the fostering world, a lot of people lo- are on the outside looking in, <clears throat> and you said that um, you have to. It's pretty rigorous, and you have to take a lot of classes. Like, can you give us a picture of kind of the nature of the kinds of things that you learn, you need to know, and and uh, 
what all goes into that. Um, yeah. So let's see. So there was probably what six classes, Kelsey. Mm -hmm. So there were about six classes, um, and each of them was three or four hours each. Um, we were doing those in the evenings over the course of October and November of 2019, and um, and they go through a ton of things. A lot of them are state, like state uh, regulations and um, how you can interact with foster children and um, how you interact with parents and different things like that. Um, but then beyond those, those classes, then they have to come into your home um, and they have to uh, one, make sure that your home is, a, is an adequate, safe living environment for, uh, for children. And, and then they give you kind of some action steps. Um, we had to have, you know, the, some, some, pretty standard stuff that most people probably should have, but maybe don't. Um, we have to have a, a smoke detector on every floor. We have to have a fire extinguisher in the kitchen. We have to have, you know, some of those medication just, locked up. Yeah. Medication locked up behind like two different locks, which definitely would not have done that otherwise. Um, but just different things like that. And then they come back a few weeks later and they make sure all of those things are up to, up to par. And um, then they, even beyond that, they have to fill out this, huge okay. yeah this huge document which is called a home study um about all the training that you've completed uh all the uh the like the walkthroughs of your house they've done the things that you've done to prepare your, your story yeah your background. our oh that's true part of our paperwork was kelsey's family history uh my family history why we had chosen to go this route um how we were raised how we plan to raise a child yeah. It, oh, wow. All kinds of things. Yeah, there's a lot of invasive information there, but they take all of that, all the information, all the training, all of the the walkthroughs and the, the different safety measures we put in place, and they have to build out this huge document that then goes through, at least four. in Kentucky, it goes through four different offices to be signed off on before our, our home can be a quote-unquote open foster home. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a lot of information that you have to kind of come up with, I'm sure, pretty quickly and be like, I don't know how to answer that, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to oh, figure yeah. out. So, oh, yeah, for sure. um, yeah, I mean, so it, was there any, were there any points where you're like, this just feels too overwhelming to go through? Or was it just always <laughs> like, okay, we just got to get to the next thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was super overwhelming. Just the classes in itself, um, like Josh said, they were, there was a lot of information thrown at you, but then... There was also, um, they also told us different stories of other foster parents that went through different situations. And um, and just like the paperwork we brought home the first night, the first night was just an informational meeting just to get your paperwork. And it was this huge file folder full of paperwork. And we were just like, oh my goodness, like what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> um, and just going, I mean, the biggest part is probably just the paperwork because, I mean, it was asking us questions that we never really had thought about. Like as far as the kids went, we had to tell them like certain age groups we wanted. If we wanted kids that um, needed extra special medical attention, or if we wanted, if we did or did not want um, children that had drugs in their system, or we had to kind of say yay or nay to different things. Um, so just navigating through all of that was overwhelming um, to start with. Like I, I've heard it said that it, with with foster parenting, that in some sense the the program is set up almost to talk you out of it in a sense. 
so that you can make it if if you make it through it you really are prepared to do it is that fair to say is that your experience i'd say to a certain extent yes because she told us too you know like at any point you can back out like if this is too much for you and you realize on the third or even the last class like you do not want to do this like you know that's fine like it's not for everyone um but we just we yeah. both just felt that we were called and like we were just going to push through and do it and yeah i guess i wouldn't have ever articulated it that way but that that it kind of does i mean some of the processes are sort of prohibitive uh it makes it it makes it challenging enough um that you know i guess if you're not really in in it to to do you know what what needs to be done as a foster home then it, it would be difficult to get through it So I guess, you know, what I'd love to know then as you're kind of going through that process, you fill out paperwork, someone's been coming to your home. Was there a point where they said, okay, you've been approved um, to be on a list? How does that work? Yeah, that, that was interesting actually, because uh, yeah, so our, our home study was complete, the physical home study, and then they finished that document. It went through all those people and got signed off. And yeah, they came back and gave us the contract and said, hey, here's, you know, the agreement that says you're going to abide by the rules and all of that. And then, um, and we were open. So at that point, the t- the clock begins, like any minute we could get a phone call saying, Hey, we have this small child or these two like preteens or just really, they could just call us at any moment. Um, which was, which is sort of, sort of anxiety ridden. Um, <laughs> I bet. But then not probably, a week into that, then the apocalypse straight strikes. And, <laughs> and so everything else is even more like disconnected. And, um, and there was a period where we were like really not sure what to expect as far as our foster home during the whole COVID thing, because, um, a lot of the, a lot of the times, um, one unstable households become, uh, more volatile in instances where routines are off, like school is canceled and, um, and, and finances get tougher and uh, families are, are really close uh, in really close quarters with one another. Um, but at the same time as all those things were occurring, all of the, like the quote unquote mandatory reporters, like pastors and teachers and, and doctors and things like that weren't seeing these kids. And so like we were, we were just, you know, coming from a, a, a point of view where we, we love people and we love our city. And we, you know, that was this part of the reason why we want to do this. Um, then we had this really high level of concern that like, what, where are these kids? What's going on with them right now? Like how, I, and there's really nothing we could do, but it was just, it was kind of another level of that whole concern and anxiety that we, we had experienced. So you guys didn't know you didn't have a specific age. How do you plan for a space in your home for that? Like, is it pretty general then? So our, our, we, we did stipulate an age range, a loose age okay. range of birth through 10 years old. Okay. Um, and that we would take up to three in a sibling group. Yeah. Three up to three in a sibling group. Um, oh, wow. so, but at the same time we said, you know, we don't want to break up siblings. If we have the capacity to care for them and it's like a you know like a seven a nine and a 12 then we would break our 10 year old rule to allow the siblings to stay together 
Um, but yeah, so preparing the house is, I mean, we, we prepared a room with like a twin sized bed and, um, had no idea what was going on really. And then we, um, I collected, I collected, started collecting clothes and stuff little by little, very little clothes. Um, because at our first class, she was like, don't go to Walmart or wherever and start buying a bunch of stuff. Cause you don't know you have a local Walmart. You can just go to Walmart and get whatever you need. But me kind of being a planner, like I wanted to go and get a couple of things, um, just to have on hand, just in case we got a child. So I collected a couple things. She came home from the store one night with like six different sizes of one outfit. (laughs) I wondered about that. You're buying for birth through 10. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The same outfit, just different uh, sizes. Right. (laughs) But it's Walmart. You can always take it back, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, okay. So I need, I need you to set this up. So we're in the midst of, um, you know, COVID-19 global pandemic. I'm sure life is different for you guys. You're not sure what this experience is going to look like. And you get a phone call. What, what were you guys doing when this phone call happened? Oh, this is a, that is a great question because I, the entire time was expecting for no reason that I can really explain, but I was just expecting Kelsey to get a phone call and, and then her have to come bring me the news well, one of the things we had been doing for COVID when we've been doing this whole healthy at home thing, um, we started working out together. We have a garage gym and we were just, you know, doing the thing. So uh, we had just got done working out together, which is fun. And she comes in or we both come in. I take a shower. She gets in the shower and I get this phone call. And so I'm yelling like, Kelsey, but she doesn't. I was, I was actually probably like singing in the shower. <laughs> so she doesn't hear me. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm the, the least prepared, uh, the lesser prepared of the two of us, because like, I'm terrified to become a parent as it is. And so I get the phone call. I'm like, well, do I, do I not answer? And Kelsey can call her right back or do I like, okay. So I answer the phone <laughs> and I sit down, I, I go to the other room and I sit down on the stairs and I'm, I'm listening to her explain this whole circumstance. And, um, and I'm taking notes on my phone and I'm just like this, all of a sudden it just kind of hits me like, Oh my goodness, like, what are we <laughs> going to do right now? Um, and we had just talked two or three days prior to that, like, man, if we get a phone call right now, like we can't buy wipes or diapers or toilet paper because the apocalypse is going on outside. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden we get this phone call. And so Kelsey finally comes to the other room and I'm like, Hey, uh, I, I, I just got a phone call and I showed her my notes and she immediately starts flying around the room and <laughs> doing all this like excited mom stuff and I'm, I'm freaking out. Um, but it, yeah, it was just this, it was this, it was this wave of emotions. It's, it's kind of hard to even describe, um, or pinpoint. I mean, I think it was a lot of different emotions at one time, um, all encapsulated inside of the COVID-19 crisis. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. And so they told you on this call, there's a, a child, um, what, what age and when were you supposed to pick the child up? They, uh, they gave us very little detail to begin with. Um, a lot of the time they don't have all the information that you want to know. Um, so basically all we knew what there was a newborn baby 
at the hospital that would need to be picked up in two days. And it was a two days. Um, we didn't know like how much he weighed or any of that. Um, but um, they kind of told us a little bit of what they knew about the birth mom. And that was pretty much it. Um, so after he ended the phone call with our RNC worker, um, she basically was just like, you know, y'all talk about it. Let me know as soon as possible. And I'll let you know more information. So after we both were like in shock and I was excited, um, we, uh, we like just sat down and talked about it. And Josh was like, I don't know if we can do this. Like, I'm, I'm like scared. Like he was stumbling over his words and I was like, Josh, this is it. This is the call. Like, this is what God has called us to. Like, we have to, we have to do this. And he's like, it's a newborn Kelsey though. It's a baby. Like, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, like we're, we just got to do it. And he's just like, okay, like let's call her back. So, um, yeah, we called her back and she gave us, um, a little bit more information. And, uh, that was on a Wednesday and she said, uh, we'll meet up at the office and go Friday to pick them up. So we were both. Yeah. So it was about 36 <laughs> hours. Oh my goodness. About 36 yeah. hours. <laughs> Yeah. Ready or not. Okay. So once you get, uh, you, you do get baby home and how's that gone? Is, is, is the, were you as nervous as when you got the call or how things, how are well, things? Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm still as nervous as I've ever been, I think, but it, <laughs> no, it, it, it's gone really well though. I can definitely say that I've learned more in the last two and a half or three weeks than I think I've ever learned in the previous 30 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a constant education that I'm receiving. Um, three weeks ago, I did not know how to swaddle. I did not know how to change a diaper. Um, I did not know formula. Yeah, to, how to prepare a bottle. None of those things. And yeah. um, and I learned all those things uh, through, you know, kind of just trial by fire. <laughs> um, but I, I'm learning. It's definitely been a, a steep learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there a couple of things, man. I mean, just the joy that you know, hearing you guys talk about it now, and and even the the, the pictures that I've I've seen, and that's a question that I wanted you to to address, Josh or, or Kelsey, either one of you, because um, I know I asked you this, and we we did a quick uh, uh, Zoom call a couple weeks ago for a video we did for service. Um, I know in Indiana, uh, when you foster, that you can't post any pictures, but that law is different in Kentucky. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's a, I don't know how new the law is. A lot of people, even people that we interact with, um, like that we know personally who are foster parents here in Kentucky, um, have just recently learned about this because of the way, like the whole, yeah, the whole thing works and how quickly laws change and how vast the need for foster parents are in Kentucky, um, because of the, you know, how many children are in the, uh, in the custody of the state, like things just happen so rapidly that a lot of people here don't even know. Um, but in within the last year or so, um, a new statute came out that's called uh, Reasonable and Prudent Parenting. And essentially what that is, is um, it allows for Kelsey and I to kind of operate as parents. Uh, and it's, it's not, it doesn't separate us so much um, as this, it, it makes us more like parents than babysitters, I guess. Yeah, they explained it basically like in the past when families had foster children and they would go to take like family photos, a foster parents would like turn, they would take like a family photo, but turn the foster child back to the camera. 
And so, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. That, like, is for foster parents for us to act like a family. Like, you know, your own biological paternity, you wouldn't be like, don't look at the camera. Like, we don't want your face in the picture. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's like a fair law that we can do those same things that we do with our normal family, but with foster children. And just, I, I guess that uh, depending on the age, which the, the three week old that we currently have, um, obviously doesn't know either way, but if we were to um, be fostering like a nine year old, uh, I mean, it brings more value to them to be, you know, just be able to feel like part of the family. And, and, and that's, I think kind of the, the essence behind that, that new, regulation is that it, it allows us as foster parents to treat them like they're you know like they belong like they're part of the family and um and that's what we want to do anyways so he's been part of your family for three weeks now uh you guys have been kelsey i know josh talked a little about some things he's learned what's some of the things that that you learned in this just short period of time um i've learned that you need to nap when the baby naps. <laughs> uh, i was telling josh and some other friends that I mean, kudos to all those mamas out there that actually have these children and then bring them home a couple of days later. Cause I know I've been exhausted and you know, I'm not in pain or, you know, I didn't just birth a baby. Um, but it's, it's a lot of work. Um, it's, I've learned a lot. It's just communicating with Josh and, um, how to navigate through our, a new routine. And, um, I mean, most of the baby stuff are already, pretty much new. I work at a preschool, so I'm used to changing diapers and kids throwing up on me and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I have nep- nieces and nephews that I helped um, take care of. So uh, a lot of that stuff wasn't foreign to me. Um, but yeah, we've, we've learned a lot just, and we've also grown in our faith um, tremendously through this time. Um, it's been really, it's been really neat just to see God at work. Mm. Well, I love the the fact that you guys uh, were driven by the call of it all. In other words, this isn't just a nice idea or something we'd really like to do or because uh, it sounds like that's what got you through the more challenging parts of it. So uh, hats off to you for that. Just having that sense of we're doing this because we feel called of God to do it because that can get you through just about anything. Yeah, I, I think that it, it all kind of landed at a really interesting time in our lives. Um, like so the One Life community. Um, was was finishing up the series that we started at the beginning of this year, which seems like so long ago now, actually. <laughs> so true. Yes, but it the, the travelogue series was all about, you know, like having this very unique, um, this very unique, like backstory and unique strengths and skills and passions that, that God's kind of built us with. And, um, and we were navigating through that as all this was taking place. And Kelsey's, like very unique to her hardship is like, I'm a cancer survivor for 20 years and all of these things. And, and the way like our strengths and passions marry the, the hardships that she's experienced as a, as a cancer survivor and just the way all of it kind of worked together. And at the same time as we were kind of navigating some of those tough ideas during that series, like it just, it's been really cool to see um, and to experience that. And, and it really has, like you said, affirmed kind of this calling that we've felt um, in the midst of all of it. I love that. And I, I think, you know, as we were, we're talking a little bit, you know, what I wanted to just highlight again, you know, that there's joy still things happening in this time. Cause I think there's so many um, 
negative things that we hear about, but man, it's what a joyous opportunity for you guys um, right now and uh, for your little guy and just being able to just share that. And I'm sure you're excited to be able to get back to a point where everyone can share with you in that. I'm sure that's something that's been difficult with your families. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been super hard. Like both of our families are just itching to get down here to hold them. Oh, I bet. Even, oh, man. even um, our campus pastor, Ryan, his wife, Cynthia, and she's a nurse and she, you know, she knows. She knows all this stuff. And she even said, man, if it wasn't for um, having the coronavirus, then I could come sleep on the couch and let you all take a nap. And our mm. both of our moms have offered to do that. And and all of these, like everyone around us is just like, well, we could help, except that we can't help. And so it, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and there's that's been, a, been interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot of like door, uh, they bring stuff to the, uh, the doorstep and dash. Um, they've dropped off clothes and food and all kinds of stuff so the outpour from our one life community and our friends and family has just been amazing and overwhelming um yeah that's for sure that's like like you said sarah just to highlight a little bit of joy and uh in the midst of all this the generosity of our community has been like just overwhelming staggering i mean we've had well i think in the first three days we had something like 40 packages come to the door and (laughs) meals and clothes and just just tons of people from from our one life community from our growth group from other other communities that we're a part of here in henderson it's just been it's been phenomenal Uh, and really really humbling um we can't really even explain how grateful we are for for all of that in the middle of all this craziness Wow. Well, I appreciate you guys being willing to share some of this with us. I mean, I think it's a great story we want to continue talking about. I think we could talk another hour um, about this, and I'd love to follow up with you, you know, here in a few months and just see, you know, what the journey is continuing to look like. And um, yeah, I just really uh, appreciate you being able to share that. And man, just so many great things, so many other stories. I think we'd love to dive into it sometime. Oh, yeah. Plus, I'd love to hear more of just your story in general. Uh, I think that'd be fascinating to just to be able to process and learn through um, some of the things that you've just learned. So. Um, yeah, thank you guys for sharing, coming on and sharing with today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, um, Brett, as we close out, I talked about towards the beginning of uh, this episode, we're uh, starting something new called the One Life Explorer Edition, which um, yeah, was fun, another funny story I'll tell another time. Um, so, Brett, tell us a little bit about what that is um, and kind of um, – yeah, the idea behind it. Okay, the idea behind it was just pretty much our, our mission has always been help people far from God, trust and follow Jesus. And and during this very unique time with the COVID-19 thing, you do have the vast majority, well, nearly everybody in the world is is doing things uh, via their computer. And and so we thought this is, a, this is a very unique time to express our mission in a unique way. You have people out there who will, who are curious about church, but will arguably never walk into a physical building. Uh, but it'd be very easy for them to uh, explore church uh, from their living room on their computer. So we thought, okay, let's have, uh, let's do our normal church services, but let's do something extra that would be specifically built 
for people who are far from God or just want to explore the struggle with the intellectual issues or struggle with the fact that they, they maybe have church background, but they've been hurt really bad, or if they just saw a lot of hypocrisy growing up. And so we're just going to do something that's thinking with that audience specifically in mind. And we're just going to design it that way and try as an experiment between now and the end of June. So, uh, and hopefully people in one life can invite people and say, Hey, go to this. If you're, if you're not comfortable with church and give it, a, give it a try. And we're going to use the centered film films that we showed the last uh, fall is kind of the basis of the kind of things that we're going to talk about and demonstrate. And it's only supposed to be 22 minutes long too. So it almost can't lose. About the, the time of a, a typical episode of the office as Josh would know. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So people can handle that, you know? Yeah. Um, and we'll have more information about that coming up. Um, actually, I'm going to work today, the rest of the today, to try to figure out the best place to host that. So that's still in process as well, but we're, we're working on that. But uh, again, Josh and Kelsey, thank you guys for coming on and sharing with us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you have any questions about anything happening here at One Life or any questions about the podcast or anything you think or any stories that you'd love for us to connect with and share, um, you can always email me here at the podcast, podcast at onelifechurch.org, and we would love to hear from you that way. We'd also love for you to share this episode out. Uh, I think this has been honestly just a, a, a terrific story to be able to share and we'd love more people to hear that and just hear people more people hear the content that we're trying to uh, just make sure everyone can hear so we appreciate you joining and listening with us today and we will see you next time